0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. This is a program of the International Disciple-Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. You can go to traincpe.org to learn more about our work in over 40 countries. You can also find us through links at breadoflifeboise.org, where you'll learn about our local missions fellowship. Psalm 119.11 gives us a secret for winning the battle of the mind. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Here's three rules for winning this battle with two more to come. First, not sinning must be your desire. Second, know if you don't do something, you will sin. Third, understand this battle is fought with what you put in your heart at the core of who you are. He says, I hide the Word of God in my heart. I don't hide Reader's Digest quotable quotes. I don't hide the most recent self-help book. I don't hide a great biography of some hero who has accomplished great things or some businessman. I don't even hide the 12-step programs or the 7-step. I don't hide the Nicene Creed or the Westminster Catechism in my heart. He says, I hide the Word of God. I hide this Bible in my heart. Oh, God. It is the one thing that will keep me from sinning against you because this word comes to our lives with power. It comes with cleansing, purifying, light-emitting, life-giving, life-changing power because it comes not by itself. It does not come simply as black and white. It comes through the voice and the speaking of the Holy Spirit. Revelation, the seven letters to the churches, over and over again, you will hear this comment at the end of each letter he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. You see, when we read God's word and we begin to put it in our lives, God, the Spirit who gave this word, begins to translate it and interpret it and speak it and teach it and instruct us in our inner being. This word comes with power, it changes lives. Listen, let's understand books have power. Books of power. There's a reason why individuals and totalitarian states have decided to burn books. They're powerful because they have thoughts and ideas in them that can change lives. But how much more power then has this word of God authored by him, given by him, and instructed by his Holy Spirit? This word that God said would not return unto him void, but would accomplish its purposes. And so the psalmist says, I have a divine arsenal I have a weapon that will enable me and empower me above everything else to win the battle of the mind in order that I can actually take my thoughts and bring them into captivity by the reading of this word. Let me encourage you not to let anything, not the best book out there, to interfere or take the place of taking this word of God daily, consistently hiding it in your life. It is how the battle is won as God, His Holy Spirit, works within us through the Word. Jesus, when He was tempted, was tempted on three different occasions. You remember, at each occasion, when He dealt with a temptation, as Satan was externally pressing Him to win the battle, Jesus said, what did He say? It is written. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone. It is written that you shall worship the Lord your God and Him only. It is written that thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. It is written... It was the word that he used as a sword to fend off the enemy in the midst of the battle. And it's how we must win it as well. Luther wrote that wonderful line in a mighty fortresses are God. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to us, undo us, we will not fear for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not at him. His rage we can endure for lo, his doom is sure. One single word shall fell him. It's words. It's the word of God hidden in our hearts. Now fifth, and lastly, it's this. Understanding all this. Understanding first that I must desire to win this battle, and second, that something must be done, and third, that this battle must be fought at the core of my being, and fourth, that I must open my inner life to bring the word of God there. Fifth, it's this. We must clearly understand what it means to hide the word of God in our hearts. What does it mean when we say, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It can't simply mean memorizing verses, although I think some people think it is. Folks, Satan quotes scripture. He knows verses. Memorization alone will not help you win this battle. Just memorizing a bunch of Bible verses won't help you. In fact, I understand and it's true that some of the best drunks in the world can quote the longest passages of scripture there are. So it can't be that. Wilbur Smith gives this illustration. And I think this helps explain better than anything else how it is we hide this word in our hearts. He says, down in the hearts of each individual is a conference table. Imagine, if you will. And at this conference table is seated around it all the forces that shape your thoughts and determine your decisions and your actions. Different forces. At this table, every force has an opportunity to speak. Every force has an opportunity to say what it thinks and to prescribe the direction that it would like to take us. And the truth is that we cannot altogether stop any of these forces from speaking. We cannot bridle their tongue and force them not to speak. They will speak around this conference table that meets and gathers within each and every one of us. There, around the table, is seated your upbringing. It's all there, and the voice, the force of your upbringing, speaks around that table. There, as well, is seated your family history and the history of your family life. There is seated the customs that you have gathered and the traditions and the habits that you have formed in your life and that your culture has given you. There is seated the force of popular thought. There is seated the force of peer pressure, both good and bad, seated there around that table, all voicing their opinion on what you ought to do, trying to persuade and, and to make you uh, gather together and determine how you will think and how you will live and how you will act. And there also is seated your own self-deceit. He says things like this. Oh, listen it's not gonna make any difference this time. Just this one time. Hey look, you're never gonna really experience life until you do this or do that. Or oh, come on, everybody else, your own self-deceit is seated there. He's speaking. And you know what, you can't put a gag in his mouth. We wish he could, but we can't. He speaks around that conference table. There as well are all your sinful desires, and they speak louder than anyone else. One time in the UN, Nikita Khrushchev, who was the head or president of Russia, trying to get attention and get his point across, took his shoe off in the middle of a meeting in the UN and began to pound his shoe on the table to be heard. Well, I think it's a wonderful picture of exactly what your sinful desires do at that conference table. They take their shoe off and they pound the table to be heard and they have an idea and they demand. And it's powerful, so powerful that it's hard not to yield, hard not to give him ground, hard not to be persuaded by the influence of his ego, which is so large larger almost than anyone else's. And they're tucked away in another place, a sneaky rationalism, trying to enter in with him to help encourage and to justify his statements and claims. And then also there are things like unbelieving desperation, those times when we know what we ought to do, but we're desperate. And we're not sure God will pull through. All these forces, and many more, are vying, and you could probably sit and write a book about them. It would be a fascinating book, by the way a conference table discussion in the heart of inner man. All these forces are working to communicate and lead us and guide us into shaping our thoughts and determine what our decisions will be. And then seated as well at this table is Satan and a various host of demonic entities lobbying, lobbying alongside of our own desires oftentimes, lobbying for us to go this way or that way or this way or that way. And the question is asked, who will determine the way to be taken? Who will preside over this conference table meeting? And the psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is going to be seated at this table. He is going to chair this meeting and he is going to bring it to order. Other voices can speak and can be heard within us, but only one, only one is going to be obeyed. Only one is going to have final authority. Only one is going to determine how I'm going to live and what I'm going to decide is right and what I'm going to decide is wrong. And that one thing must be, will be your word hidden at the conference table of my life. You must take this word to heart. You must let it preside over everything you think. You must let it begin to speak and begin to fill you with his wisdom and his understanding, that he, as wisdom, might guide and direct your life, that he might correct the false statements of all those that are uttering their different phrases and their different arguments around the conference table, and that he might determine how it is that you ought to live. And there's only one way that you can hide this word in your heart, and it is this, you read it and you determine to obey it. You determine to follow it. You determine to believe it. Regardless of what all the other voices are saying or all the other rationale that is created, you embrace it. That's simply it. You let it preside over the conference meeting of all your thoughts. Now you might say, now wait a second, that doesn't help me. This does not help me control my thought life. I still have all these thoughts that I don't wish I didn't have, all these things that are coming through my mind, all these arguments that are being made that are contrary to my own desire to please God. How do I deal with those things? The point is this that you cannot stop these other forces from speaking. They will speak. They will be heard. Now they might learn to say less if they know you're paying less attention to them. If they know you're not inclined to listen and do what they say. If they begin to understand that you've committed your life to listening to the presiding voice of the Word of God by His Holy Spirit. But they still will speak. And they will still utter their statements. And you can't stop them from speaking. But what you can do As you can determine, as the Word of God speaks, you can determine to choose how you will receive these other voices. You can choose to determine how you will react to them. You can choose to judge them, these other voices, as wrong, as sinful, and selfish, as being detrimental to your life and detrimental to moral congruity, you see. You can determine what you will think about this Word, and you can choose not to follow their words. That's all. You can either entertain these thoughts or you can let them pass through your life unjudged in an uncritical manner in which case they'll keep running through or you can begin to let yourself or choose to let yourself become repulsed by them. You can choose to make these thoughts and these things which are contrary to the word of God to be disgusting or childish. You can have a critical judgment of your own thought life. And this is one of the ways in which you begin to address by the word of God and set in place all those voices. So at least if they're going to speak, they know their place and you know it as well. The truth is you can't stop the things from speaking. You can't stop voices from running through your mind, but what you can do is this. If you've determined that you would not want to displease God and you've rendered your judgment against it and those thoughts keep coursing through your mind, you can know this. This is not you. This is not sin. This is the enemy. This is Satan. This is him pressing up and stirring up the flesh within you in order to destroy and in order to distract you in your inner life. But the word of God will win the battle of your mind when you take it to heart and let it preside there. I remember as a young boy having a real struggle with thinking the right thoughts. I remember particularly there were things that I knew I shouldn't think. And it would be that thing that kept running through my mind. It was when I began to understand that there was someone at play other than myself, that there was an enemy who wanted to attack me. And also understand that even if those things were lodged in my memory bank physiologically, that in my heart and my spirit I had dealt with it and I wanted to please God and I was committed to letting that word preside there. And when I began to address each thought that way and turn my attention to the word of God that God began to give me a victory over. Look it's a lesson that a young boy can learn and it's a lesson that we need to continually learn. Let's hide the word there so it can preside. God, we thank you for this gracious word. We thank you that you have done everything in order that we might be all that we can be in order that you could shape us according to the wonderful creation that you have made us into created in your very image. God, we do not curse our moral nature. We bless it. We thank you that this is the way of satisfaction and joy and peace in life. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about the Bread of Life ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. There you can also contact us with requests for this or other messages. Please join us in our next broadcast. Until then, may God bless you.